Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs>
broadcasting live to billions of people. Camels on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty.
Sam, if you want to, if you can put the address in there uh, for the, there's there's a couple of addresses I'd like to get in there put in the chat. Is uh, the loveyourveterans.org address. That's who we're partnering with to do this event. And then the, I believe she has it listed on that site, Sam, is the uh, 2A Patriots reunion, uh, like, sign-up site. And uh, that's going to be a great event. As far as I know, this is going to be like the first, uh, the first world gathering of this kind uh, in the state. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to get all of the, all of these smaller groups uh, together along with the larger groups, NRA, uh, TSRA, uh, Oath Keepers, stuff like that, get everybody together so that these smaller groups can make sure that they're, they're introduced to the larger groups and that they can start making alliances because uh, as a small group, you know, if you have a small membership, two or three hundred folks uh, or less, it's really easy. It's harder to get stuff done, and it's really easy to find a, a boot on your neck and uh, to find yourself in trouble. And the best way to avoid a lot of that is to try and make alliances so that out of the many small groups, uh, we can hopefully have a much larger organization that can get a lot more done to defend our Second Amendment rights. In addition, the event is going to uh, be raising money to help our veterans. That's the purpose of loveyourveterans.org. Uh, that's uh, uh, Melanie Davis, and she was on the show a few weeks ago talking about her organization. Uh, she does a lot of great work with uh, the veterans, including uh, getting money together like this to help pay for hyperbaric treatment. That's where they submerge you in uh, pressurized oxygen and force oxygen into your bloodstream, into your body, into your bones, everywhere else, because uh, it's actually been proven that this is, uh, this is helping uh, a lot of different symptoms that veterans are having. Uh, but the military still does not uh, they still are not behind this and they're not offering it as a treatment and yet it's working and she runs Triumph Press and now Triumph Press <coughs> helps publish these stories of veterans and why is this important? Well I'll tell you why and if you, if you get a chance you can pick up her book uh, it's the Triumph Press book Called heroes. Now, one of the things that that you read in a lot of those stories is that uh, the veterans, sometimes as far back as World War II, have been holding these stories in since they since they were in the military, and and getting them down on paper and talking about them and uh, and getting them out has been one of the things that has been uh, forward in helping them to deal with the, the PTSD uh, or other effects that the combat tours had on them. So it's actually a very effective way 
to get some of the treatments and the counseling started for them to sit down and and write about it. You know, I'm sure if you've ever been uh, uh, around any kind of a 12-step program or something like that, uh, that's one of the first things you will hear them tell the people is uh, you've got to you've got to tell somebody about what happened to you or tell somebody about what uh, you did. That's like the first step in uh, cleaning up your mind. And that's what this does. So the money that uh, we're, we're going to be uh, asking folks to pay for tickets and for donations and for sponsorship and support uh, is going to help the veterans in several different ways like this. All right, that's going to be the 26, 27, and 28. Uh, in addition, if you are part of a uh, Second Amendment Freedoms type uh, organization, then we'd like to hear from you because we'd like to invite you to come. We're going to be having uh, uh, almost uh, both nights, Friday night and Saturday night, we'll be having speakers. Uh, I've already talked to Sheriff Mack. He'll be coming out to speak to the group. Uh, we'd like to hear from any of the rest of the folks uh, uh, that are members of 2A organization. We'd like to have your organization attend. And we're putting together a uh, DVD that is sharing the information uh, about all the groups, uh, what they're trying to do, uh, where they are, who they are. And if you would like to uh, come out and uh, be part of the event, uh, set up a, a table, uh, try and help try and get membership for your organization, stuff like that, and we'd be glad to talk to you about doing that. Because that's why we're doing it. Uh, also, as part of the event, we're going to have uh, like a mini, uh, a mini shooting course. So it's going to be kind of a taste of the of what the uh, the running gun that we put on twice a year will be kind of like a, a taste of that. Uh, you'll go through like three or four uh, shooting stations that are fairly close together, and uh, and then there'll be some obstacles in between, stuff like that. Uh, but it'll be an abbreviated course because we're after, we're hoping to push 500 people through the course in one day, and that's going to take a little bit. Uh, there's no way we could run them through the the entire. Uh, four-and-a-half-mile uh, course on all the shooting stations like that. We do a good job just getting 100 through uh, in the eight hours between the 7 a.m. and 3. So 500 wouldn't make it. <clears throat> but that's going to be uh, uh, September 26th, 27th, 28th. And October 11th, we'll have the uh, zombie uh, destruction running gun in the fall there. And that's that will be the full course, uh, four and a half miles, and uh, maybe some new shooting stations added because I'm adding some for the uh, for the Patriots reunion, <clears throat> and uh, and the course is going to be altered a little bit, and we'll have up new obstacles, and uh, it's going to be a great event. All right, tonight. Uh, we're talking about tonight about your dry fire game, about maintaining and running a dry fire game. Now, we've talked about this before on the show. And 
I'm doing this mainly to remind folks about it because uh, if you don't have dry fire program, then you need to establish one. You need to uh, you need to establish a program, and it can be as simple or as complicated as you like. That's up to you. But for you to get any benefit out of it, then you're going to have to maintain it. That means to to run through the program on a fairly regular basis. <clears throat> and there are there are a lot of different ways to do this. Now, when I talk about a drive fire game, uh, I'm not talking about just the act of dry firing your pistol or your rifle aiming at a target. When I talk about a dry firing game, I'm, I'm talking about uh, the whole the whole thing that you're going to do uh, with that firearm. Now, if you're just a target shooter, and that's all you're ever going to do, and that's all you're ever willing to uh, to train for, that's fine. All right? Your dry fire game is still going to help you to improve your skill and technique tremendously. The The real training that you do should occur, it should start somewhere after you have packed up and left the range and should run all the way until you get back to the range again, whenever that is, if it's uh, once a week, once a month, uh, uh, you know, three times a year, whatever it is. Your actual training should not be taking place at the range. the training should be taking place uh, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, and you should be confirming that that training is working when you're at the range. Right? And I can actually try and you're not actually trying to learn everything at the range. You're just trying to confirm that your training is working correctly when you're at the range. Because, uh, I mean, let's face it, if you are, even if you have a really good range time program, say you go uh, once a week uh, to the range, and you're at the range for, uh, and and most people don't go to the range for six or eight hours. Let's say you're at the range for an hour, two hours, something like that. I mean, in the space of a month. And this is for a really hardcore training program, right? Uh, Once a week at the range for, uh, 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 let's say, two hours. Once a week at the range for two hours. That means uh, you have uh, a total of eight hours a month for your training. And that's not very good. in order for you to become proficient, and like I said, that's that's for a pretty hardcore program. Most people don't most people don't go to the range uh, once a week for two hours. They don't go to the range once a month for two hours. And if they don't, what happens to their skills and techniques? They get rusty. They get rusty. They degrade and they disappear. Uh, all of all of your shooting skills, all of your firearm handling skills are all perishable skills. And that means the the more that you don't use them, the 
the less the less they're going to be able to be used when you call upon them. All right. So how do you get around this? Uh, you can do very simple things. If you're a, uh, a concealed carry person, then you're going to have to uh, put your holster on or however you carry it. You're going to have to do that uh, when you get dressed and when you get undressed, all right? Now, in the very least you can do <coughs> is when you're getting dressed or when you're getting undressed is to do something like... Uh, uh, a half dozen to a dozen draws whenever you are when you are getting dressed and when you're getting undressed you have a half a uh, half a dozen or a dozen uncovers and draws now let me say right here right up front that dry fire practice uh, has to be done in a safe fashion right because you're not going to be at the range you're not going to be somewhere where there is a, uh, a dedicated uh, earthen berm backdrop and uh, you're constantly oriented, or uh, your firearm is oriented toward the backdrop. Uh, so you're going to need to ensure that you're doing this safely with your pistol, your rifle, whatever. Now, the uh, one of the best ways to do this, and I'm, I've even... Uh, heard of different uh, shooting companies and stuff like that making you sign a uh, uh, a guarantor or guaranteeing uh, that you will not do any dry fire practice with live ammunition in the room with you. Now, at first hearing that, it sounds pretty silly, but it's not. Okay, here's why, because you can... One of the, one of the purposes of doing you're running your dry fire game, is so that you can learn to do a lot of these skills, a lot of the movements uh, through muscle memory. Okay? That means you're going to be doing it through muscle memory. Uh, when I talked to you guys before about this, we talked about uh, sitting there and, uh, and maybe watching a movie and doing magazine changes so that you are teaching your body through uh, hundreds and then thousands of repetitions, how to do that mag change quickly and efficiently by doing, uh, you know, a, a thousand repetitions uh, while you're watching uh, Full Metal Jacket or something like that. Okay. If you have taught yourself to to do it uh, through muscle memory, uh, your muscle memory can pick up a magazine uh, that you that you set to the side that was it's the one that goes in your pistol for your concealed carry and has a full magazine in it, I mean a, a full load of live rounds in it. And you can easily pop that one into the pistol while you're doing your magazine changes or into the rifle while you're doing your magazine changes because you're you're doing it through muscle memory. And your muscle memory doesn't really care if it grabs a live round, a uh, live magazine, or a fully prepped magazine, or an empty one. Now, you should be able to tell through magazine weight, but if you're truly doing it uh, through muscle memory, uh, that may not work, all right? That means that you're picking up a prep mag, uh, and you're going to chamber a live round, and that's where trouble comes in, all right? Don't, have, don't even have any live ammunition 
in the room with you while you're doing your dry fire practice. Now, it's not that hard to do. Uh, you can, uh, uh, when you're getting dressed, you can pop the uh, mag out of your pistol, make sure that you have cleared the pistol or the rifle, whatever you're doing with it, rifle, pistol, whatever. Make sure that you've cleared it, uh, and that means looking into the chamber and ensuring that there is not a round uh, in the chamber, uh, not just working the action, okay? Just working the action does not make a safe pistol. You pop the mag out and pop the action back, that does not make it safe. You need to visually inspect that there is not a round in the chamber, okay? Uh, extractors can fail and leave the round in the chamber, a live round in the chamber with a good firing pan and everything else, and and you can end up getting a a negligent discharge. <clears throat> All right, I'm not seeing an accidental discharge because that it wasn't accidental. I mean, you squeezed the trigger on purpose. The negligent one, uh, an accidental one, would be one where you were at the range and you had a live round in it and uh, or you're out in the field walking and and you were getting ready to take your shot and a branch pushed your finger against the trigger harder than it meant to be or something that might be an accidental one right uh, almost all the rest are negligent discharges so you're going to take the <clears throat> Uh, you're going to drop the mags, you're going to clear the chamber, visually inspect it, and you're going to go in the other room. Uh, I have a couple of mags that I have dedicated for practice mags, all right? A couple of dedicated practice mags with uh, snap caps in them. And uh, you, can, uh, uh, you can paint the floor plates on the... Uh, the dedicated mags, uh, bright orange or something like that to indicate that they're training mags. Uh, whatever you do, make sure that you understand that the dry firing is inherently dangerous. Anytime you're handling a firearm, it's inherently dangerous. You have to make sure that you've gone a thousand percent in making sure that you're doing this in a safe fashion. All right. So, Whenever you are uh, getting ready to uh, to suit up for the day, you can do uh, a half dozen or a dozen uh, uh, uncovers and drawing, uh, and then you get ready to go to bed at night. You can clear the firearm. You can do a half dozen uncovers and uh, uh, and drawing before you take the pistol off to go to bed. All right. Uh, you actually don't even need a magazine in for uh, doing uh, uncovers and draws. Uh, but that is part of your dry fire game, right? Like I said, the dry fire game is not just uh, how you would actually fire the shot, how you would mechanically fire the shot. It covers everything that you do with your firearm <coughs> except firing the shot, except firing a live round, okay? Now, the the purpose of dry firing is well. There's 
there are all kinds of purposes, all right? The benefits of dry firing, let me put it that way. The benefits of dry firing is that you can do this uh, just about anywhere, and you can uh, you can dry fire your rifle or your pistol a thousand times, uh, almost free of charge. Whereas going to the range and firing a thousand rounds is going to cost you quite a bit. Like I said, you're not going to be able to do. You're not going to be able to go to the range all the time, and and you want to save the range for uh, for proving that the, the training that you're doing at home is working, rather than trying to do your training at the range. The dry firing uh, benefits is that whenever you are dry firing your rifle or your pistol, all of the all of the things that you're doing in order to execute the shot uh, are the things that you would be doing, whether it was uh, a dry fire exercise or a live round exercise. They're going to both going to be the same thing. And your brain is not going to differentiate between the two other than uh, when there is no recall or report. Now, this isn't a bad thing because by that point, you've received the, the benefits of what, you're, uh, of what you're trying to get uh, without the recall or report. The other benefit is that because you know that there is not going to be a recall or report, uh, that means uh, when I say recall or report, I'm talking about the bang. It's not going to be a bang and it's not going to jerk in your hand or push into your shoulder from the recoil. There'll be no muzzle blast, no bang, none of that, right? And since you know that's not going to happen, then the report and recoil are not going to mask uh, any of the things that you might be doing, like flinching, bucking, jerking, anything like that. It won't mask it. You'll be able to see that you are doing it. Also, if you do it enough times, uh, if you dry fire enough, you can retrain yourself so that you're going to, again, firing your weapon, you'll begin firing the the rifle or pistol at the range, you'll be firing it in a fashion uh, that you are training yourself to do while you're at home, when you are not expecting a recall report, okay? Uh, I'm not sure if I explained that very clearly, but what I'm saying is that whenever you are at the range firing live rounds, uh, every time you squeeze the trigger on that rifle or that pistol, you get a bang, you get the the uh, report, and then you get the recoil. I mean, the jerks into your hand and your shoulder. Uh, and it really doesn't matter who you are at some point uh, in your shooting uh, career. Maybe, or maybe, maybe back and forth. Uh, you'll get, you'll develop some type of flinch buck or jerk, and and it becomes masked 
by the by firing live rounds, by the recall and report, uh, blinking, flinching, bucking, jerking. And it's hard for you to tell that you're doing this while you're firing live rounds. All right? But in your dry fire game, it's very easy to tell. You put your sight, uh, and the way that I used to tell the folks at Appleseed to do it is that you would put your you would get down into the uh, into the prone position. You could do this like in your bedroom, in the hallway, whatever. Uh, as long as you're doing it in a safe uh, fashion, you've made sure that uh, the firearm is clear. There's no ammunition in the room. Uh, that you're not pointing it directly at anybody or anything uh, in a in an unsafe fashion. And you get down in the prone position, and I would use like the uh, like the grounding receptacle, the little round hole on the electrical outlet, and you've got the two slots side by side, and then uh, directly below centered is a round hole. That's the grounding receptacle on your electrical outlet. I would use that as my uh, aiming point, uh, you know, for maybe oh, 10 or 12 feet away. And uh, you'd put your front sight on that. You begin to execute the shot uh, using six steps. And when you get to the trigger squeeze and you squeeze the trigger, when the trigger breaks, there should be no movement, right? There should be no movement because there's not any recoil associated with draft firing. So there should not be a movement. If there is, that means that you have inserted some movement into the process. And you're going to keep doing it until you clean away any movement that you may have inserted into it. And this could be, uh, this could be a bad habit you've picked up and that uh, could be jerking, jerking the trigger, flinching, bucking, uh, blinking, anything like that. Uh, and you'll keep repeating it until you get no movement on the front sight. Now, you do this with your rifle and your pistol. <clears throat> you keep repeating it until you can do it with no movement when the trigger breaks. And that's what you want to do. You want to be able to squeeze the trigger until you cause the trigger to break, which with a live round would cause the rifle to fire. But in your dry fire game, you're simply going to squeeze the trigger until the trigger breaks, which allows the hammer to go forward and strike the round. And the rifle, pistol, the front sights should not move. And you'll keep doing it until you get to that point where you can do it without them moving. And that's how you're going to, that is what your practice is going to consist of when you're executing the shot by the six steps. Uh, for either your your handgun or your long gun, and that will be your the mechanical process of firing the rifle. That will be that part of the dry fire, All right? But like I said, your dry fire <clears throat> game consists of uh, of everything that you would do uh, when you are it, when you are firing your rifle. Like say that you're uh, like when I was with the Apple C program, uh, I would practice all of the stuff that I was going to do uh, when I was shooting HUT. And uh, 
that means that uh, I would do my dry fire practice in the standing. I would practice bringing the sight up to the target, exhaling, uh, squeezing the trigger. Uh, I would practice uh, dropping the rifle back down in order to get some blood back in uh, while uh, tipping forward just a bit, keeping my eyes on the target, not taking my eyes off the target, then bringing the rifle back up into the line of sight, getting the front sights back on the target, uh, breathing out until I got to my uh, my stopping point, and then squeezing the trigger until the trigger broke. All right, that's my standing. Uh, <coughs> I would also practice, even though this wasn't in on the AQT, I would also practice uh, dumping a mag and putting a new one in while I was in the standing. I didn't want to... I didn't want to to have to shoot in the standing for whatever reason and not have practiced how to get a mag in and out of the rifle in the standing because uh, that's probably going to be one of the main positions that you will ever shoot from is the standing position. So I made sure that I practiced... uh, uh, taking the mag out and putting another one in, in the middle of that process. It's not something that you do in the AQT, but it's something you're going to do in real life. So I practiced doing it. I still practice doing it. I still practice uh, uh, firing a round, dropping the mag, and uh, chambering another round. Uh, same thing with the seated. You know, I practice getting down into the seated, uh, getting my natural point of aim, uh, breathing out to my my stopping point, bringing the sights onto the target, making sure that they're on, squeezing the trigger till it broke, practicing my reloads. That's all part of your dry fire game. <clears throat> all of this stuff needs to be practiced and rehearsed. And the benefit of... Uh, of the of doing different positions in your dry fire game is that if you only wait if you wait until you get to the range or until you get to uh, some kind of event where you're going to do seated if you wait until you get out there to get into that position that's the only times that you that you train on getting that position. You're probably going to be very tight. You're probably it's probably going to be in an uncomfortable position. Something like a seated is probably never going to be comfortable. I mean, nothing says it has to be. It simply has to be uh, maintainable and repeatable, right? That's all it needs to be: maintainable and repeatable. That means you need to be able to sit in that position. Uh, as long as it takes to get your shots off, and you need to be able to repeat that position. It needs to be a repeatable position. That means you need to be able to get into it and sit in that position the same way uh, uh, or as close to the same way uh, every time you get in it. And the only way to do that is going to be practice. Now, it may not ever end up being comfortable, 
even with practice, but it will certainly help it to become a repeatable position. That means it's easier to to get into because you can get into the seat is easier without having to think about how to get into it. You know, how am I going to get into it? How am I going to how am I going to get from standing down into the seated position? Uh, how am I going to mechanically do that? You know, do I kneel down or do I just plop down on my butt? How do I do it? And you're going to work that out during your dry fire practice. You're going to figure out the best way for you to get down. I don't know what it is for you. Uh, for me now, I've done it enough now, I can simply I can simply lower myself into the seated uh, in a pretty fluid kind of move, but that certainly wasn't the way that it happened in the beginning. You know, in the beginning, it was very awkward. It was only through uh, several thousand uh, iterations of it that it that it developed any fluidity to it, and and then the ability to maintain the position that, of course, came from the same thing. So I'm repeatedly doing it. The first few times I did it, the first time I got down to the seated position to fire. It was very painful. As a matter of fact, it was so painful that I don't think I really paid that much attention even to what I was shooting at because the pain was uh, uh, was uh, pretty intense. Uh, and uh, because I had several broken vertebrae and the pain was pretty intense. So I ended up... Uh, uh, just, uh, you know, very quickly emptying the mag had to get out of position. Uh, however, through repetition, uh, I was finally able to loosen up the, the muscles and, and figure out a way to get into the seated position that uh, allowed me to maintain it. And you can too, all right? It just takes some practice of doing it. Same thing with the prone. Uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people, understand what you're supposed to do when you get down into into prone, but that doesn't mean they're able to do it uh, with any degree of skill. Because every time you get down into it, if you're only doing it once a month or once every two or three months, then every time you get down into the prone, you're gonna have to. It's like you're doing it for the first time almost. So when you get down into the prone on a fairly regular basis and you repeat that position, uh, including getting into the prone from standing, then you're teaching yourself the mechanics of moving from the standing to the prone and how you're going to get down, how you're going to get into the prone from standing. Because you should be able to do it without a whole lot of thinking about it, right? Uh, especially uh, for you folks that are thinking about using the prone or some kind of self-defense situations. You don't want to. You don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about how you're going to get into the prone, uh, and you don't want to just throw yourself into the prone, which you can do, uh, because that could damage you or the or the rifle. You want to be able to get down into the prone very quickly, very efficiently, and then get into a good prone supported position. 
uh, and to be able to begin firing without a whole lot of thought. The only way that's going to happen is through repetition. Okay? The problem with doing that at a range is a lot of times, a lot of ranges don't allow you uh, to, to use a lot of different positions. They only want you to either sit at the bench or stand there at the bench or the wall or the line and do your shooting. <clears throat> if you have a range that lets you get in a position, that's fine. The only problem is, like I said, if you're, uh, unless you go to a range uh, uh, several times a week, then, then you are only, you're only doing the minimum amount and all that does is help you remember that there is a prone position. It really doesn't help you maintain it or become proficient at it. It just kind of lets you remember when you go to the range, oh, yeah, there's a prone. Let me get out of the prone and shoot. Uh, how do I do this? Let me remember how do I do this. I uh, kind of forgot. Which you will. You will forget. And the only way not to to make it a part of your dry fire game. That's moving from the uh, from the upright to, uh, into the prone, from moving from the standing position into the prone. How are you going to do that safely, quickly, uh, efficiently, and get uh, from the standing into the prone into a firing position and be able to begin firing accurately in a rapid fashion? <clears throat> and it takes practice, and that's all there is to it. There's no way around it. There's no magic uh, formula for this. There's no secret thing you can do that's going to do this. The only thing that's going to work is repetition. And uh, that means that you're going to have to, unless you live at a range, and I, even, though I, even though I do, even though I live here on the range, uh, I still, if I waited until I went to where I was going to shoot and practice, I wouldn't get near the benefits that I get from uh, from going three foot away, grabbing the rifle, and getting down into the prone, standing back up, uh, taking a breath, breathe in, breathe out, get back down into the prone. And every time I get down into the prone, I very rapidly get into the correct position that I'm going to use for whatever for whatever firearm I'm going to use. And each each firearm has a, a modified position. And I use different firearms, you know, to to practice with. <clears throat> if I'm using uh, an AR, AK, something like that, then I know that I'm going to quickly, very quickly get down into the prone behind it. I'm going to rest the uh, the AK or the AR. I'm going to rest it solidly on the magazine, and I'm going to be uh, directly behind the uh, the rifle. Not at a uh, not at a cant. I'm going to be directly behind it uh, because there are different types of shooting for different types of situations. If I'm at uh, some type of an accuracy event or something, and I'm using uh, I don't know if I'm shooting something like uh, if I were to go to an altitude again, maybe I would cant. I don't know, but normally. I try and make sure that I'm presenting as a little, as small of a target as I can uh, to uh, to whatever's in front of me. And that means that I'm going to be facing straight onto it and uh, with the rifle solidly resting on the magazine. 
if I'm uh, using a bolt action, then uh, my uh, position may be slightly altered depending on what I'm using. I may be using a uh, bolt action with a tripod. I may be using a bolt action with just a, a leather sling. And uh, and I periodically will get different ones and get down into the prong with them very quickly and, and very quickly get uh, slung up or unslung or uh, supported or unsupported, whatever I'm going to do. But the only way to the only way to make this work is through repetition, right? That's the only way that it's going to work for you is through repetition. <clears throat> As I said earlier, you can uh, uh, you can work on different aspects of it. We've got uh, I have folks I I work with on a fairly regular basis. Uh, here at the here at our uh, training facilities, and, and a lot of the guys that come out, uh, uh, folks like the like the contractors and stuff like that, will be they use the range uh, like a gem, right? Uh, like if you go to the gym and you say, "All right, uh, today I'm going to work on my upper body, uh, biceps, uh, triceps, stuff like that." Uh, and then the next time you go to the range, you say, okay, now I'm going to work on the lower body, my calves, my, uh, uh, you know, my uh, uh, abdomen, stuff like that. They do the same thing. Only when, when they come here, they'll do stuff like, okay, uh, today we're working on uh, right turns in a hallway. Uh, we're working on... Uh, uh, deploying a rifle out of a vehicle, stuff like that. And that's what they work on for that day. You can do the same thing. And now, if you're a contractor, I don't have to tell you this. You're already doing it. But if you're not, which the majority of you are not, then you don't have to work on all those specialized things like that. Uh, you can. Everything you do helps you. But what you really need more to train for is is for the life that you lead, all right? If you're not leading a life of, uh, of protecting dignitaries and stuff like that while they're traveling, then don't, you're not going to need to train for that. Uh, instead, <clears throat> train for the things that you need to do. Now, one of the things you're going to need to do, uh, no matter what you're doing, is if you're using semi-auto uh, firearms, is magazine changes. And listen, magazine changes are very important because I, mean, I don't care what size mag you have. I don't care if you've got a, a triple beta mag. Uh, at the end of that 300 rounds, you're going to have to change the mag. So you better know how to do it. You better know how to do it quickly and efficiently and to be able to do it without a whole lot of thought to it because anytime that you get into a, a situation where you're get where you where you've gotten where you've received an adrenaline dump, and that's uh, you know that's when you're you're either scared or you're frightened, and you're trying to do something then, and you're trying to do it very rapidly. And one of the first thing you lose is your small muscle uh, control, your ability to, uh, to to do fine motor skills. 
And the only way to buttress yourself against this is through repetition and muscle memory. That means that that just because your brain has a ton of adrenaline coursing through it, you're not going to have to try and tell your body, your hands, and everything how to do all of the all of the fine motor skills in doing this because they already have it ingrained in their own muscle memory. Uh, and that is going to be a key factor in whether you get that mag out in time and get a new one in. Uh, if you wait to do your your magazine changes until you're at the range or, uh, God forbid, until something happens, uh, it's going to be it's going to be very difficult for you to do it in a in a rapid controlled fashion. That's just because you've got uh, a ton of extra chemicals coursing through your bodies. Uh, it'll be almost like uh, for me it was like uh, like I had on a big pair of heavy gloves uh, trying to. Uh, trying to find the magazine release, trying to press it, trying to to grab that little lip on the magazine and get it out and get a new one in. And, oh, Lord, I didn't think it was, gonna, it was ever going to work. <clears throat> the only way to get past that, like I said, is to do is repetition. Do it repetition. Do it over and over so that you're, the fine motor skills that you're going to lose, that is going to be replaced by muscle memory in the, the hands and the body uh, for that action uh, in the time of need that you're going to that where you're going to need it, that means you're going to be able to do it without having to put a whole lot of thought into it. Uh, a lot of folks uh, practiced it enough that when something did happen, they don't even remember changing the magazine. It just uh, because their brain was working on some higher functions, uh, such as saving their life. And their muscle memory was taking care of the uh, of the fine motor skills of changing the magazine during the course of the event, and that's what's going to save you. So, how do you do that? Well, you're going to you're going to do it through repetition, and uh, and like I said, it it, it it may seem like it's boring because you're changing the magazine, and, and you're not even going to be shooting. You're just going to be, like during the, the dry fire magazine change, you're just going to be changing the mag, and you're going to do it uh, a couple of hundred times. And normally what I do is I will do it just like I have it. And normally what I'll do is I'll have two magazines in my front left pocket. I'll have them wrapped in a bandana. And uh, the bandana is, uh, is folded very crisply, very sharply, and then it's wrapped around them in such a way that it, does, that it won't cover the tops of them. It just keeps them from, from getting uh, bow-jangled up and turned sideways or anything like that in my pocket. So I'll practice retrieving the mag out of the pocket, putting it in, then I'll drop it, I'll get the, uh, the other one out, put it in the mag, put it, put it into the magwell, lock it in, drop it, and I'll pick them back both up, put them in my pocket again, and I'll just do it over and over. 
and you can move from that to uh, you can even do it uh, very easily uh, sitting in your sitting in your chair, sitting sitting in your recliner, watching a movie. You can sit there, put the mag in, lock it into place, pop the mag loose, get the other one, put it in. You can practice doing that over and over. Uh, even when you're just doing the sitting in your chair mag changes, uh, whether it be with a rifle or a pistol, uh, do it like you plan on doing it. Okay? Do it like you plan on doing it. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, is to do it like you plan on doing it. Uh, don't don't hold them a different way than than you would do it out uh, at the range. Uh, make sure that you are are doing it the same way. Make sure that you are. <clears throat> using your hands uh, to get a tactile understanding of that magazine, because you should be able to do magazine changes in pitch dark with your eyes closed. Uh, a magazine change does not require you to look at it, because I see people all the time doing that when they're doing their uh, magazine changes. They're looking down at the pistol to do the magazine changes. They're looking down at the rifle to do the mag change. There, there's nothing that should require you to look at the magazine or the firearm when you're doing the mag changes. Uh, nothing is going to change. It's not like you're going to say, "All right, where do they put the mag well today?" Oh, it's up here. It's, it's up here on the on the left of the barrel today. It's always going to be in the same place. And if it's always in the same place, then what do you got to look for it? You don't. Why do you have to look at the magazine? Well, you're looking at it because you want to make sure that you have it oriented in the right way and that you're not putting it in backwards, causing you to uh, uh, to maybe chamber uh, or, or to strip off around and, and lock it up in the chamber backwards. Well, do this, practice this, and become familiar enough with it that you know when you're when you're touching that magazine, you know exactly how it's oriented in your hand by feel. You know exactly how it's oriented in your hand by feel. You shouldn't have to look at it to see which way the bullets are facing the magazine. Uh, almost every magazine, uh, I've, I've yet to find one that is completely symmetrical. That means that whether you could turn it one way or the other uh, from the base and you wouldn't know which way it was oriented. But I have yet to find one that's even remotely symmetrical. Uh, if, you need, if you need some something to assist you or something to help you, then uh, you can, uh, you can uh, make, some, uh, make some little notches uh, in the rear of the magazine. So that uh, as you're holding it in your hand, that you can feel your thumb, uh, that your thumb will slide across those notches, and I will tell you that that's the, the back end of the magazine. So you'll know how to orient it in your hand if you need that kind of help. Uh, but you should not have to look at the magazine 
in order to get a new mag in. So make sure that you, that, that you strip that phase out of your magazine changes. That is, be looking at the magazine or looking at the firearm. <clears throat> okay? Don't train yourself to put the mag in by looking at it. Because if you do that, you're going to do it in a in a real situation. You're going to play just like they told you in football, uh, basketball, baseball. You're going to play like you practice. All right. So if you practice looking at the mag to put it in, that's what you're going to do. And it's just not a good idea to take your eyes off the situation. Uh, if you're in a situation that's requiring a rapid reload. It's not a good idea for you to have to take your eyes off what's unfolding in front of you, okay? Make sure that you are doing your magazine changes uh, without looking at the magazine or the firearm. That's going to be part of your dry, dry fire game, your, your dry fire practice. <clears throat> okay, the... Uh, When we are teaching folks at uh, at Battle Road, when we are teaching folks uh, in the pistol courses uh, to draw and fire, and uh, and every one of our uh, evolutions starts out with your concealed carry uh, firearm in its holster on your hip, covered up, because. That's the way that you're going to go through life with it, right? Unless you are military or, or or law enforcement, at least here in Texas. Now, there are plenty of states that are open carry now. I mean, you can carry it out in the open on your hip, and if so, then you can you can certainly train with with it in that fashion. I mean, here in Texas, you can't. Okay, so every one of our evolutions starts with the pistol in the holster and then covered up by your concealed garment. And uh, so, what we're going to, what we are teaching folks is how to rapidly uncover and draw. In addition to that, uh, if you are in a situation where you're going to have to uncover and draw, that means that you're going to need to fire. I mean, there's no reason, there's not a good reason for you to pull your pistol. Unless it's a situation where you are in a uh, you're in a situation where your life is threatened, and if that's the case, then you have to be able to draw the 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 weapon rapidly. And while you're drawing the firearm, <clears throat> then uh, we're teaching folks that in the course of the draw, you're also going to come offline. That means that you're going to move out of the direct uh, the direct line of whoever you're facing, whatever situation you're facing. So that as you're doing the draw, you're going to be taking a step to your right or your left, and as you're going to run and drawing. Once you've taken that step to the right or left out of the way, you're going to fly up the foot. The firearm is going to be coming up into play. The front sights are going to go on the target. You're going to begin rapidly firing. So that is going to be the same thing that you're going to do in your dry fire. That will become part of your dry fire. That means that whenever you are, if you are in a state like Texas that requires you to be concealed, that's going to be part of your dry fire. That means you're going to 
stand there with your uh, concealed with your concealing garment covering the firearm, and you're going to teach yourself to rapidly uncover because that's that's going to be a big part of it, right? Is getting to the firearm. Everybody everybody wants to teach you how to to stand there with the firearm already extended and shoot at the target. Uh, because of the they don't allow you to draw. Uh, they don't want you drawing on their range uh, because that is, is, is an inherently dangerous portion of your firearm training. It's pulling that pistol out of the holster. It's kind of dangerous. Um, but it's kind of ridiculous to skip that part of it because you're going to have to retrieve the firearm from the holster, from wherever you're carrying it, from the holster. If you're a woman and you've got it in your purse and it's in your purse or wherever it is, you're going to have to get a hold of it. You're going to have to get it into play. And that's is just as important part of your training as ensuring that, the, that you can hit what you're uh, aiming at. If you have a very long, clumsy draw, chances are you're not going to get a chance to use your shooting skills, right? Uh, the, the odds go down on that. You want to make sure that you have as rapid, a clean and rapid draw as possible and that you're moving offline at the same time. So that will become part of your dry fire game. And uh, you can do that very easily. I do that uh, in the evenings whenever I'm getting ready to uh, when I'm getting ready to close down shop for the night and switch into pajamas uh, before I before I take off the firearm. I'll take it out. I'll uh, remove the magazine. I'll remove the live round in the chamber. I'll visually inspect the chamber to ensure that there is not a live round in there. I'll make sure I don't have any other rounds on me and that I don't practice my magazine changes at this point uh, because I'll do that at a different portion of my tri-fire game. At this point, all I'm working on is my uncover, my draw, and my stepping off line. All right? And that is kind of the beauty of your dry fire game is that you can, <clears throat> as long as you're not doing things different, uh, and what I mean by that is as long as I'm not, as long as I'm not doing my drawing, stepping offline, and uh, uh, uncovering, drawing, stepping offline, as long as I'm not doing it different for some reason than I would if I had live rounds in other than uh, other than not having a live round in, uh, then you can do any of the portions uh, of it, uh, and they will all work. Uh, they will all work together, all right. And I don't have to do uh, every single thing at once, and I can do certain sections of it uh, at different times of the day or night and get the benefit of the training. And uh, and I'll tell you, there's a big difference between a person that does not do, that doesn't do uncovers, draws, 
and standing and, and taking a step offline on a regular basis and one that does. So I'll do that uh, at night before I before I take the gear off. And then I will do, uh, uh, occasionally I'll do the same thing. I'll usually do it in the mornings too, once I've got everything on, uh, before I before I walk out the door. Uh, once again, I'll unload everything, and I'll do uh, uh, the uncovers, draw, and step offline. I'll do it several times just to make sure that it's uh, that I have like a little refresher course for the day. And every time you do it, you're creating, you're making that, uh, you're making that groove, uh, that groove in the road a little bit deeper, that rut a little bit deeper. Uh, the ability for the muscle memory to carry out this action is improved each time you do it. Okay? <clears throat> All right. Uh, I see that uh, I see that here in the chat you're talking about uh, dry firing in uh, in the Marines, as to you're talking about regulation as to slamming the bolt home and riding the bolt home. Hmm. Well, uh, my only my only suggestion would be that uh, I I don't know of any good times to ride the bolt home. Uh, that's a bad habit to get into. Because uh, the uh, the semi-automatic firearms are made, uh, they're made to to run through the with the recoil uh, of the firearm without any uh, addition of human hands, uh, either making them faster or slower, and uh, and any time that you interfere with that, such as riding the bolt. And there's you're running the chance of causing the the firearm to foul. So uh, that's uh, that is not something that I would recommend. Uh, now, once you're on the firing portion of this, uh, there's uh, there's all kinds of of practices that you can do and all kinds of uh, extra things uh, that you can add into. Uh, I would say that uh, whenever I, if you were doing, uh, if you're going to be doing the firing portion of it, you're going to do the firing portion the same way. I mean, any time you're doing any dry fire practice, uh, the key to the repetition is maintaining the, you're going to be doing everything the same way that you're going to do it and that you plan on doing it uh, in real life situations, all right? You're not going to, you don't train one way to do something another way, 
right? You're going to be training to do, you're going to be doing your dry fire practice exact same as you're going to do wherever you're going to be doing it at the range, etc. The only difference is, is that you can add in uh, things like, uh, you can add on the training magazines, you can add in uh, uh, snap caps, uh, you know, dummy rounds, and you can use those uh, uh, to help you with uh, uh, with understanding and working through cycling uh, the firearms, all right? Because there are things that that happen that you're only going to get them to happen with either a dummy round or a live round uh, cycling through the magazine action, all right? But when you are doing your dry fire, I mean, you can't use a live round ever, ever. That's it earlier. Don't even have live rounds in the same room with you. That means you're going to need some training rounds. Now, these are fairly inexpensive now, but I would get some training rounds. I would get a couple of magazines that I was uh, going to dedicate to my dry fire practice, and then those magazines never, ever, ever get a live round in them. You're going to color code them. You're going to paint them bright orange, whatever. And then those magazines will be your training mags. And those are the ones you're always going to use for training. All right? That can help you differentiate. All right? Uh, the, the other thing is, is that while most, uh, while most firearms are made so that you can dry fire them, uh, nowadays, uh, the the act of a thousand magazine changes will put a little, little bit of wear and tear on your mags. All right, uh, you can use uh, you can use your training mags for this if necessary. But they're gonna if if you need to, they're gonna be have to be the same the same type of mag. They can't be uh, they can't be different. They're gonna have to be the same ones. Uh, so uh, make sure that you are using the uh, the same uh, magazines for your mag changes. Uh, the the other thing is the next step in this is is if you have things that uh, that you're going to do in self-defense situations, or even at the range, if you're going to do something at the range, you're going to practice that. But if you have things that you're going to do in self-defense situations, then those need some practice as well. And you can practice them at the range, but the best time to to, to work these out is going to be uh, in your dry fire game at home. And what I mean by that is if you say, uh, okay, uh, if if the back door, if the glass breaks out of the back door, Stand by, folks. Scott just got bumped off the line again. It happens occasionally.
We'll have him back here in just a moment. Well, I hope we'll have him back here in just a moment. It's not playing too well tonight. Then we'll try to pick up a little bit where he got cut off, and hopefully he'll be dialed back in quick enough and can finish up the show for you. When you're doing that dry fire practice, it's important to maintain the safety aspect, of course, in everything that you do. But you want to practice that dry fire routine exactly the way you plan to employ the weapon that you're practicing with. Load and unload the same way every time, using the same equipment, always using the same safe, easy, Repeatable maneuvers. Here we go. Scott's back. I'm listening. You're going. You're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that uh, one of the guys had asked you, "What do you do for your uh, for your dry fire practice?" I, I missed. I missed what your answer was. Go ahead. If you go ahead and repeat it, if you don't mind. Oh, what I do for dry fire practice. Uh, I have three different uh, handguns that I practice with, and I generally carry them for a week or two at a time and rotate them, but I'll do 10 practice magazine changes from whatever position I happen to be in. I like to uh, use the radio as a cue. When I hear X word, that's when I will go ahead and draw and do my shots. And if I happen to be down on the on the floor picking up a mess or washing dishes, whatever it happens to be, when I get that signal, that's when I draw and engage the target that I've set up on the far side of the room. I'll practice a few mag changes with it. I carry a revolver occasionally, so I do some speed loader work with that. Uh, that's always fun. Someday I'll get smart and stick with one gun, but I keep playing around with all of them. Well, I mean, uh, I, I, like I said earlier, you know, I I don't. A lot of people say, uh, you know, they pick a firearm and that's their uh, that's their firearm, that's their long gun, that's their handgun, and uh, and that's good. Uh, but the chances are you may not always have that exact one. Now you want to you want to train constantly. The, the the majority of your training should be with your uh, intended self-defense firearm, uh, with whatever pistol you're going to wear, whatever rifle you plan on using. <clears throat> so you shouldn't neglect uh, other firearms, other uh, other things to do. Uh, now, I, I do have the benefit of, uh, of most of the day being uh, out in the middle of nowhere, 
uh, and that allows me to do actual uh, uh, drawing and firing, you know, at different points during the day. And uh, occasionally I'll do that. Uh, but uh, the majority of the time I'm doing my my uh, dry fire practice to give me the skills that I need. Now, I, I will... Uh, I will draw while I'm out in the field and stuff. I will draw. Uh, I'll uncover and draw, or I'll just draw with a hot pistol. Uh, as long as it's in a safe situation, I'll do it. Uh, and I probably, I usually end up doing it two or three times a day uh, while I'm out, just because uh, because I want to to keep in practice and. Uh, and the only way to do that is through repetition. And uh, uh, you brought up a good point about different positions and stuff like that, too. Uh, and let's talk about that for a second. Because you may well end up uh, on the ground uh, if in a situation that would require you to to draw and fire your pistol, all right? Uh, because you could get shoved to the ground. You could get knocked to the ground. You could get shot. You get shot, and and that causes you to hit the ground. Case is, just because you're on the ground, it can't mean you're out of the fight. Even if you're shot, even if you're shot, getting shot cannot cannot put you out of the fight. Uh, not if you want to, not if you want to stick around. So that means that you're going to need to uh, to practice. Part of your dry fire game is going to have to be in different positions. That means uh, part of your dry fire game means that once you have a a, a safe uh, firearm, uh, say you're going to try, you're going to work on your pistol. That means part of your dry fire game will be uh, sitting in a chair at a table and drawing, uh, drawing from the seated position, drawing as you're coming to a stand. Part of it will be laying on the ground, uh, laying on your back, and uh, uh, drawing the pistol and again putting it into play, uh, laying on your stomach, drawing the pistol and putting it into play. Uh, whatever you're going to need to do, because you're not always going to be uh, in the best position. You're not always going to be in your you know, in your Cooper stance, uh, ready to go. So you need to see what what type of actions it's going to require. What type of physical action is going to require for you to draw that pistol and get into play in whatever position you're in, uh, all the way from from kneeling on the ground to laying on the ground to sitting at the table. Uh, I practice uh, in my vehicle. Uh, once again, it's you, you'll need to do this. I try not to do it uh, with a hot pistol because... There is, because uh, there, this is a, it's a lot more dangerous position. If you're seated in your vehicle with your pistol on your, your on your hip, uh, especially if it's a tight uh, vehicle or something like that, it's gonna, it's gonna almost require you to sweep part of yourself at times. But I try to make sure that if I plan on doing the the drawing from the seated, that I go ahead and make the pistol safe before I do it. Uh, so 
that is something you may want to think about, about doing that. Uh, you can go out and, and uh, you know, if you've got a garage, you can sit in your car in the garage and and practice drawing from the seated with your pistol. Uh, if you don't carry it on you, if you carry it in the console or if you carry it in the glove box or under the seat or wherever that you carry it in your vehicle whenever you're driving, then then that is uh, is also something that you'll need to add into your drive fire game. If you have a uh, if you got a pistol in the glove box, then uh, then make sure that you are practicing uh, reaching over, uh, popping it open, and getting it out uh, because it's gonna a lot of it. Uh, on on how well you're going to be able to deploy it, it's probably going to depend a lot on how it's sitting in there too. Uh, you don't want to you don't want to have it sitting in the glove box or in the dresser drawer or wherever it's going to be. Uh, you don't want to have it sitting there like with the muzzle facing you. You want to have it however it's going to most easily go into your hand. And the best way to do that is to do it in reverse, and that is to open the glove box or the nightstand or whatever and put it into the uh, the position it needs to be in. And that's the position that's going to most easily go into your hand in. <clears throat> uh, let's see. You said you didn't catch the first part of the segment where we touched on dry fire practice for rifles. <clears throat> uh, I, here's what I did. I, I talked about uh, about making sure that you are doing your dry fire practice for your rifle, uh, that you're paying just as much attention to that as any other firearm that you're using. I talked about how I, uh, for years, uh, how I've very quickly uh, done it in the house, and I would use whatever whatever firearm I was I was planning to use, and normally what I would do is I would uh, uh, I would get into whatever. Now I did talk about making sure that uh, that your part of your dry fire game was your positions, and making sure that you're getting into all the different positions that you may or may end up shooting in. That's standing, seated, prone, because you may end up in uh, any one of those positions, and make sure that you go through the uh, those positions. Uh, and make them part of your dry fire game because the only way to be able to get into a position rapidly that's, that you're going to be able to use to shoot is is through repetition. Uh, the only way that you're going to be able to to get into some of the more positions like seated and stuff like that and, and, and make them positions that you can actually use uh, is through repetition. And I talked to folks about how that uh, that some of the positions may not ever be comfortable. And that's not something that you're looking for anyway. You're not looking for comfort when you're shooting. You're looking for you're looking to be able to get into a repeatable, maintainable position. It means you're looking to get into a position that you can get into over and over the same way. You can repeat the position that you're getting into and that you can stay in that position long enough to get off your string of shots. Uh, and whether that's seated or prone or whatever it is, that's how you want to 
to add that into your dry fire game is that you use that you get re repeatedly get into that position because you don't want to try and have to figure out how to to shoot from a position that should be that part of it should already be like a a, a stock thing that you have for you and that is the position that should be a, a stock thing that you can draw on and when, once again the only way that you're, it's going to become a stock thing you can draw on is through repetition so you get you start in standing you get into whatever position you're going to use and then I I mentioned that I use the uh, uh, whenever you're doing your aiming or whether it is for pistol rifle whatever make sure that you have a an actual thing that you are aiming at don't aim at a wall all right aim at uh, something that's the size of a uh, uh, of a golf ball on the wall, or aim at something that's uh, the size of a pencil eraser on the wall. Aim at something specific. Don't just aim at uh, a wall whenever you're doing any of your dry fire. So that's you're cheating yourself of uh, teaching yourself to rapidly acquire a sight picture and bring the the sights onto the target. I'd use the, for the rifle, I would use uh, the ground receptacle on the plug, and uh, I would very quickly get into a prone supported position, bring the sights up onto the ground receptacle, and this is going through the, uh, the steps to fire the shot, and then uh, in, get into my breathing cycle uh, very quickly, uh, and then squeeze the trigger. So I'm executing the shot uh, according to the mechanics of firing the shot. <clears throat> uh, so <clears throat> covered the the uh, the specifics uh, of it. Uh, all right. Well, the, the grounding receptacle is actually a smaller hole than uh, than most of the uh, the cover plate screws, and, uh, and that's the when you look at a, a electrical outlet, you'll usually have two parallel lines for the uh, for both sides of the uh, of the AC electric, and then down below its center, you'll have a a circular hole. That's the grounding receptacle for your electrical outlet. <clears throat> Or you can use the uh, the screw, the plate screw cover, uh, but whatever it is, it, you're going to be using something specific, right? Either whether it's your rifle or if you're standing up with your pistol uh, uh, looking at the wall, you're going to be using something specific to uh, to put your sights on. <laughs> All right. Uh, That's uh, about all I have for uh, the dry fire game. Uh, you can make it as simple uh, or as complicated as you like. Uh, and when I say complicated, I, I just mean more uh, that you can practice things that are more specific. Uh, I don't advise anyone ever to uh, to to set up any kind of complicated rules of uh, of engagement or anything in their 
in their dry fire game or in their training. What I mean by that is I don't, I don't, I, I don't recommend that uh, that that you say, okay, uh, here's what I'm going to train. I'm going to train uh, every night. I'm going to train on on uncovering, drawing, dropping to my left knee behind this chair, taking a shot. Uh, uh, that is, uh, unless you're getting ready for a specific event, uh, like at the end of the week, you know somebody's going to be busting to the back door and attacking you, uh, then I, I don't recommend you rehearsing things specific in that fashion. What I'm talking about you doing is rehearsing all of the basics, all of the the basics to firearm usage and making them part of your tri-fire game. And those are things like... Uh, Uncovering, uh, drawing, presenting the firearm, uh, getting a good sight picture, and then squeezing the trigger until the trigger breaks, uh, doing your magazine changes, uh, doing, uh, and you can also set up your failure drills or your rifle or your pistol. You can set up failure drills and learn how to uh, uh, pistol failures. And then uh, your positions. Now, if you want to, if you have something specific that you want to work through, which is like I said earlier, if you said, uh, "All right, uh, I'm going to practice uh, getting out of bed, retrieving the pistol, and moving to the left side of the door," if you want to do something like that, fine, uh, because that action is only going to occur uh, in a under specific circumstances. You know, it's not going to, you're not going to be on on the street and uh, and throw yourself in the prone into the uh, into a supine position on your back, and then uh, jump up and, and respond to a threat. Uh, it's only going to occur in your home. <clears throat> but having a dry fire game and maintaining a dry fire game is going to make the difference between you being able to to draw and uncover rapidly, cleanly, and to be able to do it, even though you've had a big adrenaline dump in your body, uh, to be the, the practices, the repetition of changing your mags. Uh, you'll be able to do that once you've ingrained it into your muscle memory, even whenever you get that adrenaline dump, all right? If you don't, if you don't do these practices, and you get the adrenaline dump, you get uh, some excitement, it's going to make things very tricky. It's going to make them uh, very hard to do. And that's the things that you don't want to happen to you, and that is the having the loss of fine motor skills uh, be the thing that caused you to catch two or three extra rounds or something like that. Uh, you want to make sure that you are, and look, I'm not, uh, this is stuff that I, that you do, whether you're uh, law enforcement or you're a librarian, okay? Uh, because here's the, here's the problem is that uh, very seldom are you going to get any, uh, are you going to get any foreknowledge or advance warning of something happening to you? That means, you have to be ready to do this, and no different than I would tell people uh, to practice going and getting their fire extinguisher and uh, learning how to operate it. Uh, it's the same thing. Uh, 
when you need these skills, you'll need them, and you'll need to be do, you'll need them all, uh, and you'll, you'll need them to work as flawlessly as possible, uh, regardless of the fact that you may never ever need them in your life. But on the day that you do need them, they'll need to be sitting there ready to go. Okay, and the only way to do that is to create yourself a dry fire game and then to work on maintaining the dry fire game. It doesn't take a lot of time. Uh, you could do it uh, in, uh, you, could, you could create and maintain a decent dry fire game that only ran you 15 to 20 minutes a week, all right? <laughs> and you will immediately notice the benefits of this whenever you do go to the range. At the end of you do a, a month of your running your dry fire game with your rifle, your pistol, etc. You're going to notice a marked improvement every time you go to the range. You'll notice a marked improvement uh, of your skills and techniques because you won't be trying to teach yourself them and relearn them uh, over and over every time you get to that that two hours at the range. Uh, you're going to be maintaining the level and hopefully adding to it while you're running your dry fire game. All right, uh, I'm going to try and have. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, Sheriff Mack on, uh, they contacted me today and said that they would like to come on as soon as possible. Uh, uh, this next Thursday. Uh, let me see. Uh, how, there's one another question in the chat. that said, how do you recommend employing a dry fire routine? Uh, look, I would do, uh, do it would depend on, uh, it's really going to depend on you and what you do and <clears throat> and why you're doing it. Uh, I try and do part of my program every single day. Uh, and one day it may only be five minutes of it, and the next day it may be 30 minutes of it. But I try and do part of my program every single day so that so that I'm rotating through the different things that I might end up doing because I, I may end up using a shotgun. So I'm, I want to make sure that I have my hands on the shotgun and I've worked uh, through cycling it. I've worked through uh, putting rounds in it and then getting them back out, uh, things like that. Uh, I do my draws on a daily basis. I'll do my draws just because... And I'm wearing it every day, so I, I better practice my draws every day, and I do. Uh, the rifle stuff, uh, I use it. I probably go about once a week that uh, I will that I will get uh, one of the rifles and work through uh, the dry fire practice with it. And it may not always be the same rifle. It may depend on. Uh, on something that I'm getting ready to do, like if I'm getting ready to go through a course with an AR, then I'm, I'm I'll probably use the AR more. If I'm uh, if I'm uh, getting ready to uh, to do something else, then I may work with uh, that uh, a different firearm, or I may just grab one uh, that I haven't used in a while and uh, try and use it. Cycle through the bolts, uh, cycle through the lever action. And and make sure that I'm staying familiar with how it's going to work, how it's going to feel in my hands, how it's going to 
feel when I work through the bolt or the lever action or the pump, uh, the different things like that. I'll try and keep it on a regular basis. Uh, but drawing every day and then uh, rifle usually once a week and uh, same thing with some other firearm, uh, usually once a week or more. And then uh, and then usually I'll try and add something in once a week, something in, like I mentioned earlier, uh, laying on the ground or in sitting in my vehicle or something like that. I'll try and add five or ten minutes of that uh, once a week. And that's how that's that's how I want run my program. Now, if you live in a city, uh, your program may be different. If you live in a city and uh, and uh, you drive to work and there is the danger of carjackings, then uh, every day when you get in your car, you may want to do uh, five or ten minutes of drawing from your holstered firearm on your hip while you're seated position, or you may want to have the uh, the firearm in a clip under the dash and practice getting it. However, uh, your situation may alter your dry fire game, okay? Okay, guys, uh, I appreciate uh, everybody listening. Uh, be sure and tune in this uh, next Thursday, 7 p.m. Central. Uh, I, like I said, I believe that I'm going to have Sheriff uh, uh, Richard Mack on. They contacted me and said he wanted to to get some information out, I guess, about the CSPOA and what they're doing now. And he will be uh, a guest speaker at our event uh, uh, at the end of September, okay? That will be at the Battle Road uh, USA's uh, Second Amendment Patriot Conference. And uh, we will have, uh, I don't know how many people we're going to have now. We're looking at between 500 and 1,000 folks. We'll have reps from... Uh, NRA, TSRA, Guns, uh, Gun Owners of America, uh, Oath Keepers, all of the uh, individual uh, Second Amendment groups will have uh, uh, senators and congressmen. Uh, we'll have everybody meeting to discuss what we're going to do in order to best defend our rights and liberties. All right? For more information, you can go to the... Uh, to the web page, and let me read it off here real quick because Sam got it for me a little bit earlier. You go to the web page, either at uh, loveyourveterans.org. You can go to loveyourveterans.org and you'll find it there. Uh, I've got in the mid- I'm in the middle of creating a new web page for myself. Uh, so, uh, and I'll let you guys know. I'll give you the, the address to, for that too as soon as possible. Okay, guys, uh, thanks, and uh, we'll see you uh, this next Thursday, uh, 7 p.m. Central. Until then, God bless and uh, keep you and, uh, and guide our hands in this because our cause is just. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family 
VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.